And I'd like you to stand with me as uh, I read from Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And uh, you can listen in or you can read along. I'm beginning in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Father, I want to thank you for the promises that are in your word. I thank you for the songs that we've just sung. Lord, they're the message of this morning. And I'd ask, Father, that today you'd stir our hearts by your word, by your spirit, to be renewed in our mind and in our awareness of you and your presence and all that you've said about yourself and about us. That, Lord, today we may leave refreshed in our hearts and minds, determined to be your people. And, Lord, we commit ourselves to that end and ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right. I think um, in the practice of living, all the things that we have just sung about the promises of God and his faithfulness and all that we can trust in him, in the practice of living, we lose track. Uh, We're easily distracted by the things of our day, uh, the things of life, uh, the concerns that come down, uh, what we embrace in the newspaper and in the media, and, and embrace all of these things is you know, overwhelming darkness and the cloud that hangs on us, and somehow lose track of God, His promise, and who we are in Him. And I want to address some of those issues with you this morning. More as a reminder to me, and if it benefits you, all the better. But uh, I'm looking at these things often. I find myself living in the context, and my mind and in my heart, that all I've got is me. Now, I would deny that if you, if you challenged me on that at any point, but I'm looking at the practice of life. I've got these tasks I've got to get done today. I've got these tasks I've got to do, and these I've got to do, and they're all on me to do. I bear that, somehow totally losing track of God's presence and promise, his involvement, and my own personal helplessness apart from him. And I'm guessing that you struggle with the same things that I do. Uh, These aren't the most perfect of days that we live in. But I've discovered this, that when I'm focused on me, two things happen. I either get proud of my success, or I get discouraged in my failures. And neither one have a happy ending. I want to live my life in the context of God's presence and His promise. In that, there is hope, there's excitement, there's peace, there's joy. All of the things that God says are ours in him. And that's where I want to live. That's where I want to live in the coming year, in the coming day, uh, the rest of this day. And today we're celebrating what God has done and what God will do. And I want to look just uh, briefly here at a passage, and then I'm going to... I'm going to bullet through a whole bunch of things here. Uh, what I'm going to do this morning is, 
is I gave you a worksheet in the, in the outline that's in the, in the bulletin. And I put all the scripture references that are there. They're, your, they're there for you to refer to throughout the course of the year. These are God's promises. These are God's instructions as they relate to our daily living. And uh, I'm going to address some of these as we move through them this morning. But I wanted to do it in the context of how Paul went about trying to help Timothy uh, get his head on right. If you turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, um, I'm going to begin in verse 6. Uh, verses 1 through 5, uh, Paul uh, basically introduces the letter, introduces himself again to Timothy, and he says, uh, you know, I'm praying for you all the time. I'm proud of you, son. And uh, Paul regarded uh, Timothy as his own son. If you remember, uh, they, they must have had an encounter on first, uh, Paul's first uh, missionary journey through uh, Asia. And then... Um, and then on the second trip that Paul went through, he picked up Timothy and took him with him for the rest of his travels. And at the end of those travels, left Timothy to be in charge of the church in the city of Ephesus. And so uh, here's Paul writing a letter back to Timothy as an encouragement to him. And he says, uh, Tim, I just want you to know that you're of good stock. You've grown up in strong faith in a home where you were taught the word. And I just want you to remember that. And then he says in verse 6, For this reason, because so many good things have been happening to you in your life, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. And Paul was a prisoner in Rome at the time. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know that I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul gives a testimony, a challenge to, to Timothy Challenges in him, first of all, he says right down here, to kindle afresh the gift that God's given you. And I'd say as you look forward to this new year, what has God gifted you? In what way has he gifted you? In what things has God taught you in life, things that you can count on? What life experiences has he taken you through? Kindle again that faith and trust in God to exercise and share and demonstrate to the rest of the body and to a world that's lost apart from him God's goodness in your life. Kindle afresh that live relationship you have with him, the first gift, that of eternal life. And then the gift of whatever it is of spiritual gifting that God has given to you. Kindle it again. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and discipline. You know, uh, we live in a, in a, in a difficult day. Um, there is uncertainty all over our world. And there's political unrest. Uh, there's economic concerns. 
the whole world is going to fall in and crash. And we forget somehow that you know, there was a great depression and it's upon us once more again. And maybe even greater. And, and can I stop and remember the fact that uh, how, how what's it been? Over 80 years since that Great Depression and here we are. Why do I let the moment drag me down in my day and my heart and my think and my trust and my joy and my peace? Why do I do that? And so I'm coming down and look, God has not given us a spirit of shyness, of timidity, of fear. But in himself and in his promise, he's given to us power, the ability to stand and live and see life with solution, with with movement forward, as opposed to fear and retreat and guardedness. Can I trust him? Certainly I want to be wise. But what's in my heart is the question. And Paul's saying to Timothy, who in several other passages are here, express the fact that Timothy was a shy guy and he was a little insecure. There are several passages that refer to that. And I'm going, Paul's just saying, don't be, don't be shy about this and don't be fearful. God's with you. You have power. And you have his love in your heart and your life. And you've got the discipline in your life to see yourself through in trusting him and believing him. And then he goes on in verses 8 through 11, describing all the things that God has done. Just reminding Timothy, God's in charge. God has done everything that you and I need in life. And as I read from from the second letter that, that Peter wrote, all things pertaining to life he has granted to us already. I can trust him. Whatever it is I'm facing, whether it's financial, whether it's uh, employment, whether it's health, whether it's difficult relationships, I can be obedient to him and do what he asked me to do and he is my strength in doing it. And he's got a good thing on the other end waiting for me. He just calls me to be faithful, to trust him because of what he has already done. And that's Paul's statement to Timothy here. Then Paul gives his testimony. For I know whom I have believed. I know him. And you know him. Some of you with far more confidence than others because you've lived longer, been through tougher stuff, or whatever it is the case, you've been tested in your life, and you found God faithful. You know him. And convinced that he is able to guard all that you've entrusted to him. That was Paul's manner of encouraging Timothy in a very difficult situation in the city of Ephesus where everything was against him. Even by the testimony of Paul, he was sent to prison in Rome. And Timothy lived under that potential in his own life. 
they can take me away just like they've taken Paul. And Paul says, take courage. God's in charge. And so we can live, rest in that. We can live in that. And so where I'm at this morning, where I'm headed is that I want us to live, I want to live fully aware of some facts that I know from God, from his word, and from life and experience. And uh, there are six things. I'll give them to you ahead of time in case I run out of time. Um, the first one there is, uh, I, I want to be full of life, fully aware of my own heart condition. I want to be fully aware of God's grace. I want to be fully aware of who I am in Christ. I want to be fully aware of my enemy. And I want to be fully aware of God's sufficiency and fully aware of my choice and all the things that come to me in life. These are six things I just want to highlight with you here uh, briefly this morning. And... um, Again, you can go back and study your notes, uh, the, the verses, and read for yourself some of these. The first one I want to look at here is, I want to be fully aware of my own heart condition. Somehow we lose track, just like Israel. If you, you want to just get a picture of your heart, go back and read about the nation Israel in the Old Testament. You know, when everything was against them, they come and they plead to God and say, God, help us, meet us, you know, be our defender, you know, you know save us, and God does. And they rejoice and give thanks. And in just a very short period of time, they start taking credit for everything that God did for them. And we do the very same thing. Because we've forgotten our heart. We've forgotten what we've come from. And we let that heart take over rather than trusting God for the new heart he's given us. We live in this body, in this flesh. And it's under constant temptation and there's weaknesses in us that would draw us away from God and somehow putting the responsibility on us that we have the ability to do everything God wants us to do. And when we don't do what God wants us to do, See how miserable you are. And that's the enemy's words. God says we are helpless apart from him. But in me there isn't anything you can't do. Trust me. But I come down to this uh, just simple fact we don't want to lose track of. Romans chapter 3 is probably uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Romans. Paul just gives the the certain uh, definition of what is the condition of the heart of mankind and what has God done for it. And this is what he says in chapter 3. He's quoting from the Old Testament here in verse 10. There is none righteous, not even one. Now, that's not just related to those outside of Christ. This is... All of us, there is none righteous in and of ourselves. Not one of us. The righteousness that you and I enjoy is what God has declared to be true about us, not because we are by nature. There is none righteous, not one, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. 
All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Can I remember that that's my base condition apart from Christ? We read in uh, 1 John chapter 2 that the things of the flesh in which we live, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, these things are not from the Father. And yet you all know these things you deal with every day. Can I recognize the fast and acknowledge the fact that apart from Christ, I'm a desperate person? Don't lose track of who I am apart from him. Don't lose track of my own heart condition. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Apart from Christ... This is us. And you and I can walk in this flesh by the choices we make or the neglect of our life. Or we can walk in the newness of life that we have in Christ. It's choice. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 39, 40. It says, Who am I to complain in the light of my sin? Just about the time you're about to complain to something, just remember that statement. Who am I to complain, given, given my heart? You see, there's no room for pride in the life of the believer. All that I have is a gift from him. The breath in my lungs is a gift from him. The fact that I could get up this morning, the fact that I can still walk, the fact that I can think, the fact that my tongue can move and I can, and I can communicate something, I can say something, all of this is from God. It was not my doing. So that leaves for you and me one option, and that is to have a heart of gratitude toward him. For the opportunities he gives us to be used by him, for the opportunity to put my hand to work and to accomplish something, to make a difference for other people, to serve other people, to love my family, to share the love of Christ with my neighbors. I need to live my life fully aware of my own heart condition, that I'd never take pride, but I'd always have a heart of gratitude toward him. I need to be aware, fully aware of God's grace. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And, and somehow we think this is ancient history to us. Um, uh, when we think, I came to faith in Christ, things are different for me now. This is no longer true. Well, don't forget where you came from. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit which is now working in the sons of disobedience, Satan, 
Among them, too, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Don't forget that's where you came from. Maybe you're still there. You know, I don't know all of you here this morning. But all I can tell you is that God has given you a way to be delivered, to be free from this kind of slavery and bondage, and to move you from death to life, from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom. That's God's grace. We don't deserve it. He just grants us his forgiveness and calls us his own. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing great riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Let's never lose track of God's grace. The more I understand my sinfulness, the more I am conscious of the basic nature of my life that causes me to say caustic things, to say hurtful things, to be focused in myself, the more I'm aware of that basic nature in me that is so contrary to God, the more I comprehend the depth of God's grace toward me. I understand from his word that he fully embraces me, embraces you, through his son Jesus who died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. I know he did that for me. Now can I understand that I live my life in that same grace, day in and day out. And I got no grounds to stand on to defend my behavior. All I can say is, God, I'm sorry for what I did that that, that offended you, that offended my brother. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've done that have not honored you. I did this, and I know this was against you, and I want to thank you for your forgiveness. I'm coming agreeing with you, confessing my sin, and I know that you are faithful to forgive me and to cleanse me. And I thank you for that. And I'm free. I bear the pain of some of the stuff that I've done, the hurt that I do to people. But I know I'm forgiven and I know I'm on a path in which I can restore instead of build walls. And that's what we're really good at. But God didn't build that wall. The wall is torn down. We have wide open access to him. Jesus, who was tempted in every way that we are, yet without sin, says, Therefore, come boldly before my throne to find grace and mercy to help in times of need. Help me to live fully aware of God's grace. Help me to live fully aware of who I am in Christ. In chapter 1 of Ephesians. Um, Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Why can't I see that? 
well, I sure haven't experienced every blessing in my life, at least what I would imagine might be blessings in heaven. May, I, may my eyes be opened. May I learn this year what it is to walk close with the Lord and see him for who he is and who I am and who I am in him. For he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption, been purchased out of slavery, redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. And I'm going, can I understand who I am in Christ? You see the list that's there. I also want to understand something that I am in Christ, God's child. I'm a member of his family. And you are through faith in Christ. Remember John 1, verse 12, um, that Jesus came unto his own people, but his own people did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. See, that's you and me who place our trust in Christ. We have the right to become the children of God. And John in his letter, uh, 1 John chapter 3, says, Uh, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, for such we are. I can rightfully go to God and say, Daddy, help me. I messed up again. Daddy, I'm so excited. I did it right this time. Thank you for helping me. Daddy, I, I need some counsel here. This is going on. I, I got a decision. I just don't know what to do. I have the right to go to God, my Father. That's who I am in Christ. Second Corinthians 5, Paul tells us that we are a new creation. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In God's sight, I'm a new creature. Now, I have a lot of people around me who would say, well, better look in the mirror, Trenner. God has declared me righteous. God has declared you righteous because of Christ. God has declared you are a new creation in him. Believe it. Anything other than that's a lie. And I'd say that in that context, he says, and this newness of life comes from him who reconciled us to himself and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I have this new life through God who reconciled me with himself, drew me to himself, made me one with him, and has now given to me the ministry of reconciling the world around. 
And it goes on in the passage that you are Christ's ambassador. You are the ambassadors of Christ in this world. Calling the world to be reconciled to him even as he has called you. That's who I am in Christ. His representative. That's who you are in Christ. His representative in this world. Pastor Mike will be talking to us here in the next few weeks from uh, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that context, uh, Jesus said to those that were listening that you are the salt, you are the light. We're people of influence in which the world we live because of Christ in us. Now, we're a new creation, but there's another thing to be uh, keep in mind, and that is that God is in the process of conforming us to the likeness of Christ. Now, this is the part I can understand. That I would be a new creation, a new creature. I'm going, when, where? Well, I can understand this part in the practice of my life, that God has committed himself for whom he foreknew in the beginning of time he also predestined that they would be conformed to the image of his son. That's Romans 8, 29. And I take my hope in the daily practice of living that God's at work in my life and where I come up short, I know he's at work. And, and he does it through Carla. He does it through you. He does it through the life and context of of the things that I do in my life. He points out stuff that is not like him. He points out to me promises and resources that are available in him. He works at conforming me into the likeness of Christ. And all I have to do is read the Gospels, and I get an idea of what what he's trying to do. And I see he's got a lot of work to do, and I don't have all that many years left. So either I'm going to be on the fast track or something here. I'm not sure how this happens, but... I'm confident of this, that God's at work. Paul told the Philippians, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue that work until the day of Christ. He doesn't pause. He doesn't give up. He's committed to us. He determined in the beginning of time that he's conforming us to himself. I'm called and I'm empowered Um, Led by God, we all are. Can I be aware of it? We're all fully dependent on him. We just don't live like we're conscious of that fact. So I ask the question, what has he called you to do that you have dismissed? Who's he called you to talk to? to do something for. What has he called you to do with your life? What are the things that you know God has said to you that you've dismissed, excused? What have you wanted to do that you believe God would want you to do, but you felt inadequate, fearful? Follow the call. Be obedient to him. Trust him. 
I would that the eyes of our heart were enlightened, that we might know the hope that we have in Christ, that we know the value that we have as his inheritance, that we know the power that is available and in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. I want to be aware of my enemy. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And I think this is a, a key thing that we miss in the course of our days. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, darkness of the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a spiritual battle that's going on that you and I don't recognize. I want to talk about that just a little bit here with you. But I want you to see who our adversary is in all of this. Who is my enemy? And that's Satan, according to the scriptures. Uh, and um, just you'll see the list that is, uh, that is there, and you can read them for yourself. He's called the, a liar and the father of lies. Uh, he's called an angel of light who looks very attractive and is deceiving. Um, he is the tempter. As we read, he tempted Jesus, and we know how he went about doing that. He was the one who tempted Adam and Eve in the garden uh, in the beginning of time. Uh, uh, he is uh, uh, the one who blinds the unbeliever. Uh, he is the one who accuses believers. Um, you can read these verses. I've given them to you there. Uh, something that is extremely helpful to me is that Satan condemns when he points his finger at my shortcomings, my feelings, my sinfulness, and he points the finger at me and says, Ed, and you call yourself a Christian. And he, all he does is condemn me for my weakness, for my failures, for my, everything I'm not, and he points his finger and condemns. The Holy Spirit of God turns on the light and says, Ed, look at what you're doing. Look at what you've done. There's a better way for you to choose. And you can do it in Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts me and gives me the choice a good choice to make, Satan condemns and faces me with death. And if I can just sort that out of the voices that are in my head, that, you know, what is Satan and what is God? God calls me to himself. He calls me to right living and right relationship, and he gives me the option to choose that. And Satan condemns me. And I will live in that, and I waller in that, and you just don't live, don't go there. We have a gracious God who loves us. I want to remember too that the parable of the, uh, the sower, uh, the farmer who went out with the seed and he cast it and some fell on hard ground, some fell on the weeds, some fell on rocky soil and some fell on fertile soil. And Jesus explained the parable and he said, the seed is the word of God and the birds who come down and snatch the seed off the hard ground is Satan. 
you know, and, and the, the cares of the world or the weeds that choke out and, uh, and the, uh, the shallow ground or those who are shallow in their faith and temptation or hard times come and they give up. He says, but the fertile soil is the one in which the seed takes root and it grows and it produces. And we use this illustration to talk about those who are outside of Christ. And some are going to be receptive to the word of God and some aren't. And these are the various things that are going to happen when you cast the word out to people who don't know. I would like you to read that parable from the light of a believer. What's the condition of your heart? Is it hard and unreceptive to God's word? Are you concerned because I have one minute to go through two more points? That was cruel. I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> you know, where's my heart? Am I receptive to God's word? Do I want to hear it? Do I want to apply it? Do I want to live it in my life? Do I want to celebrate it? Is my heart fertile? And like Israel, oh God, that you would take your plow and just turn my soil over and make my, make my heart fresh and receptive to you. Make me aware of the weeds in my life that are choking out my faith and help me pull them up. Help me to let my roots grow down deep into you and to your word. I said, that's, I just need to understand that Satan's there and he'll snatch the word away and you'll leave here this morning and go, oh, Trenor did it again. You know, just long-winded goober. And, and so I come down and I got down here. So I, I learned this, that I, that, I am not ignorant of, of the schemes of, of Satan. And I just got these D's. Hang on to the D's. The D's of the devil. And, and these help me understand, recognize his work in my life. He's a deceptor. He deceives. Uh, remember in the garden, God said, if you eat this fruit, you will die. And Satan comes along and says, surely you won't die. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. You know... It's okay if I don't do what God wants me to do. You know, I'm human and I have a will and I'm just going to do what God, I'm going to do what I want to do. That's a way to go, guy. You know, stand up. You know, stand up for your own rights. Be your own person. And that's Satan. He's a deceiver. Anything we do that counters what God says, there's a consequence for us in this life. Now, I can find freedom, and I can find forgiveness, and I can find right relationship with him in a heart that's tender toward him and is confessing and is walking in faith and trust in him, is obedient to him. I can do that. Or I can listen to the deceptive voice that's there. Um, he's the one who casts doubt. Uh, what's the first temptation of Jesus? If you are the Son of God, he says to Jesus. And when he does that to you and to me, he puts thoughts in our mind and our head that cast doubt on God's faithfulness, on who I am in Him and that what I can do and can't do because of Him. He's a source of discouragement with his accusations, points out failures. Um, he's a source of distraction. Uh, we lose the focus on God's call, what's important, what's eternal in life. Our lives are full of stuff that are going to burn. Uh, Take some time to do an inventory of your life. What counts? What's buying up your time? What's buying up your energy or your time? And he's a source of division. People, uh, 
please hear me. If you don't hear anything else this morning, well, you've got to hear the rest. But hear this. There are struggles in your relationships and in your families. There are struggles with you and people at work. There are struggles with you and God. Because you've believed Satan. Don't forget the corruptness of your own heart. We say cruel things. We say thoughtless things. We do thoughtless things. We do hurtful things. We do that. God is gracious to you. Be gracious to one another. At Satan's ploy to divide you. He's the divider. Just don't buy into his words. God is the God of reconciliation. Choose that end. You know, it's been a long time. You'll just be a clue to you here. I, we just watched the movie um, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. You know, how long, I don't know how long it's been out, but we just saw it this week. Um, and I remember this situation. Uh, here's the people of Narnia and, uh, and the hordes of all the other people, whoever they were, were coming in and they're, they're, just, they're, they're outnumbered. Terrible. And they're all discussing, what do we do? And he, and he says, well, we're going to go out and attack. Peter says, we're going to go out and we're going to attack them all, even if it dies, if we die. No, 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 we need to stay in here, inside the castle. And, and, and then maybe, no, we'll probably be overwhelmed, we'll die. So either choice, we're going to die. So we might as well go out noble. And little Lucy says, I think there's another choice. Let's call on Aslan. Can we trust God and things that are overwhelming in our life? Can we trust him? Well, there we are. God is our de- provides our defense. He's our armor. Everything there in Ephesians 6 is what God has already done for us, given to us. And uh, remember in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that he's provided a way of escape in every situation in which we're tempted. And that uh, a simple course of action we find in 1 Peter says, remember, even though Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, um, we're to resist him, stand firm in the Lord. Um, James puts it a a little more clear for us. He says, humbly submit yourself to God. Resist Satan, and he will flee from you. So there's a a humility that comes on our part. God, I don't have what it takes right now. I'm I'm struggling with this, and I'm coming and asking for your help. Now Satan, buzz off. You have no authority in the presence of Jesus who shed his blood for me. And God's sufficiency, uh, just a simple thing as it comes down to us. Um, he is our provider. You can read the verses. He provides for us out of his riches and glory. Seek him first in his kingdom, and he adds to you all the necessities of your life. He is our provider. And uh, know, too, that he is our comfort. You who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me, and I will give you rest. And even though the outer man is decaying, the inner man is being renewed day by day. His grace is sufficient 
for his power is perfected in our weakness. And he is able to do whatever we face. He's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, all according to his power that works in us. And I can do all things through Christ. And he's present with me. Everything I need, he's present with me. Big brother's with me. (laughs) My God stands with me. Psalm 139, just read through the passage, description, there's no place you can go apart from him. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But just know that the last thing that I offered to you there that I would fully be aware of is that I have a choice. I can choose to go my own way. I can choose to trust God. I can choose to waller in my sin. I can choose to find forgiveness and strength to overcome. I have choices in my life every day and every moment. I'm not a victim. And I have no excuse. I have no defense. I can choose to do what God says. Choose to be his person. I can choose to fully trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't throw your brain away. But don't lean on it. In all your ways acknowledge him and his sovereign rule in your life. And he will make your path straight. Choose to set yourself aside. You want to be a follower of mine, Jesus said, deny yourself. Die daily and follow me. Choose to serve the Lord. As Joshua called his people, today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And make that choice. Make these choices every day. I gave you some verses in there that you can cut up and make little flashcards and memorize some of the verses that you've heard today. could be helpful to you. Father, I want to thank you for just your graciousness to us. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have given us promises that we can count on. Help us, Lord, in the weakness of our flesh to trust you and find our strength in you alone, knowing that in our weakness, your power is perfected. And may that happen this year. And we just give you praise and express deep gratitude for all that you've done. And thank you in Jesus. Amen.